0: Texas Talking, ah. What was that that you said? Texas Talking, ah. Gonna hoop upside your head. Texas Talking, ah.
1: Tell me who can you trust when Texas has oh, all When Texas has more. Texas Talking.
2: Hello, and welcome to the Tripcast. I'm Kat Edmondson, a singer and a songwriter, touring through my home state of Texas. Happy to be back. Here's Reeves.
0: Thank you. This is reporter Reeve Hamilton here with the Tribcast for the second week of February. I am joined by CEO and editor-in-chief Evan Smith.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to be very nice to you. I'm, my feelings are hurt that you're leaving us, and so I've just decided I'm going to be difficult today.
0: Unlike um, every other day. <laughs> I
3: don't,
0: I don't, I don't yeah, see how that's a change. But also, we I have one more podcast after this one left, so you can see He's going to be grumpy for two whole weeks. Yeah. Well, we'll see if you get invited back to the big finale show.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll
0: get over it. Editor Emily Ramshaw is here. She'll definitely be there next week. Uh, I will? Yep.
3: Oh, I guess it is a big finale show. <laughs> I think it would
1: be funnier if nobody showed up for the last
3: podcast. <laughs> yeah, hey, right. It's just Reeve. And here's your host.
1: That's been John the, Sharp.
0: <laughs> that's been the dream all along. Is that right? Yeah, it's just The best be
1: podcast <laughs> is one that no one participates in but you?
0: Yes. Right, great. Sometimes it does feel 30 that 30 minutes way. of Peaky Blinders references, that's it? Awesome. Um, Yeah, isn't Peaky Blinders good? That's reporter Terry Langford showing the good taste. You guys. Yeah, Uh, yeah, so today we're just going to talk about British dramas. Uh, That's going to be our topic.
2: It'll be just you and me, Reed. I really like
0: Broadchurch. Uh, Downton Abbey, you have to give up. That jumped the shark.
3: I've given up two seasons ago when that hot guy died in the car crash.
1: I'm on the PBS. Hugh Bonneville. (laughs) And I am deputized to arrest all of you for saying bad things about Downton Abbey.
3: Watch
0: it. Uh, okay, well, let's, let's that talk was a about command. Let's, Watch it. it was, <laughs> let's yeah. talk about some real-life drama over at the uh, Health and Human Services.
3: I think you need a badge to talk about
0: that. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> or a chair. Uh, so, well, this all started— Which I mean, was worse, the chairs or the badges? Well, let's get to chairs those. Chairs are more
3: expensive. Let's, well, let's,
2: not in aggregate. As a single item, yes. Let's, <laughs> let's back up.
0: The, everyone started digging in to HHSC because of this contracting thing. Right. With 21CT. Correct. And
3: And the statesman's good reporting from the get-go.
0: And the issue there was – had nothing to do with chairs or badges or anything.
2: No, it had to do with this one contract that – for Medicaid fraud tracking software. And that's how it started. And the statesman reported that – there were several good stories, but the one that kind of teed off a uh, sequence of events was the one in late November about how a former, or how a, at the time, a lobbyist for 21CT was a former business partner of Chief Counsel Jack Stick. And that seemed to um, create a series of dominoes. People were forced to resign, both Doug Wilson, the IG, um the Inspector General for HHSC, and I think it bears mentioning that Inspector General is a, a weird division within HHSC because it is the only Inspector General or the auditing arm for an agency that ha- that is appointed by the governor. The rest of them are not. So there is sort of kind of a, a moat I would say, and a, and a weird drawbridge. Is it an expensive
0: them. gold-plated drawbridge?
2: No, it is not that I know of. But it is very hard for the commissioner of that agency to get information out of them because it's a
3: investigative arm, yeah. right? So then, so get to the sexy part. <laughs> All right, let's badges, go to the sexy chairs. chairs,
2: badges and chairs. Okay, so well, but it,
0: but it's then you had the before you had the badges and chairs though you had the um, tuition reimbursements
2: before that we had tuition reimbursements um we we found out that the, but that has nothing really that
0: has nothing to do with the contract That has nothing to do with it rave but do the chairs have anything to do with the contract no it
2: has something to do with one of the people that was forced to resign okay
0: explain that explain what the chairs are and explain how it's connected thank
2: you okay
0: so that's the sexy part apparently yes
2: um Everyone's focusing on the contract, but a couple of things that we're we're focusing on here is sort of the culture of o i g and what was going on um, at o i g at the time this contract was selected um, and one of the things we we're finding is there's a lot of interesting expenses at OIG. One of them was uh, a couple of $2,800 chairs were ordered for both Jack Stick, who was then Deputy Inspector General, and Doug Wilson.
3: And these are those, like, fancy chairs that you see in the Senate committee rooms, They're right?
2: exactly like the ones
0: in the Senate. I think that was the thinking, yeah. right? Yes, the Black
3: House committee leather, rooms. They have, like, a Give us
0: some of those.
3: Gold-colored, plated things on the back that say their name on it. All right. And they we all- should
0: read that paragraph from Terry's story about the chairs it was very it was very beautiful. I
2: wish I could take credit for all of that. Do you have it in front of
0: you? I could pull it up pretty quick. Um oh, I did a dramatic I did so many dramatic readings yeah, on the last no, podcast. A, I think enough, we should retire enough.
2: that. Well, and, and credit- Everyone
0: go to the Texas Tribune and look up Terry's stories. <laughs> They're beautifully written.
2: But Thank God we have uh, a furniture maker as editor. <laughs> right. That's, yeah. That helped out a lot. David Pastor shout out. Yes. Total David Pastor shout out. So
3: they get these fancy chairs. And did, did they try to take the chairs with them when they resigned?
2: We don't know exactly the sequence of events. But what we whether Jack Stick denies that he tried to get that sent to his home. But as his belongings were being packed up. Um, to be sent to him because he has since
0: resigned. Mm-hmm. Uh, both both shareholders have resigned, right? Both
2: shareholders yes. have resigned under pressure.
0: Uh, under pressure, but that's at, just empty chairs and empty tables. <laughs> it's all that left at HHSC. It's a little lame is. But reference.
2: as the belongings were being collected, his former assistant pointed out, "Oh, that's Jack's chair. That needs to go too." And another employee pointed out, "Let's check to see who paid for that." So that's how the tax chair came, from. and it turned out the tax. So do we pay.
1: all get the chair now?
2: <laughs> it isn't like
1: this, like the Stanley Cup. It will yeah. it will rotate in possession. Yes. From There's a lot of suggestions place place.
2: about what to do with the chair. Whether it should go on eBay, whether it you know it should go to a. Well-deserving employee at HHSC.
0: Someone did start a Twitter handle that's at Jack's, Jack's Chair. Jack's chair. Well, and now also funny. the
2: badges have a Twitter feed, yeah, too. So yeah.
0: now we have the badges. What's the deal with the badges? So
2: Alexa, yura uh, acting on a really great tip.
0: Not uh, a furniture maker. Not a Reporter ma- at the Tribune.
2: Terrific reporter at the Tribune. Um, followed up on how Jack Stick ordered a bunch of badges. Uh, 300 of them. 300 of them at 80... Yeah. New at $80 a piece. These were new badges. They already had badges.
3: And for reference, DPS's badges are like $25 badges. But
2: on average, they on average. are $27. And those are some badass badges.
3: Those, are, mean,
1: those they, are actual.
3: They allow you to pull people you over. Know, some,
1: they, they put one of those badges in your face, you stop whatever you're doing. Has exactly. this happened to you? <laughs> no comment. <laughs>
3: But you know, apparently, Jack Sticks, My troubles with
1: the law, none of your business. Jack
3: Sticks said in an email to us to Alexa that you know there was concern that some of that his investigators like weren't being taken seriously, you know, maybe their badges weren't official looking enough and that they should look like the sort of federal equivalent. So they ordered these badges. And to be fair, there are other agencies that have badges that, you know, their badges range from $40 to, you know, $60. But nobody had seen these $80 badges that came with, you know, $16 special holsters that came, you know, looked like and they I, were gold-plated. And I think it, I think it's,
2: a, you know, who deserve. I mean, this whole badge kind of um, culture that seems to permeate some of these agencies who are not required to pull people over and right. – um, I mean, I understand the TDCJ has badges. I, I think you look at CPS workers who really do have incredible authority go with a laminated badge. ID badge to people's homes. Yeah. Terry, this, this is actually
1: this is actually a, a level up from the specific reporting about HHSC, the thing that I've th- thought about in the course of all your stories, and that is we're only looking into the expense structure at HHSC because of this other thing, as Reeve said at the beginning. Exactly. Let's say that we deployed a whole bunch of reporters to look at the budgets and the expenses of other agencies. What hornet's nest would you find there? I mean, that's the, the we would not know about this but for the thing that was the way in.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. In
1: the absence of a way in, we're not scrutinizing the expenses at other agencies. Maybe at other agencies there's a similar deal.
2: I I think it's fertile ground for everyone, everywhere. Um, I think because of this and looking at this one contract, we're hearing more, and I I think as reporters we need to talk more to sort of the ground-level employees. We are hearing more. A lot of them didn't talk for...
1: The the lifers aren't particularly happy to see this kind of behavior and conduct at their agencies, right?
2: No, because I think basically, I think when you talk to them, the rank and file are real rule followers. Mm-hmm. And and they're very upset right now. Well, and
3: it's worth noting that the, they're in an agency that has a lot of checks and balances. I mean, I think at the end of the day, a lot of this stuff that happened in the OIG's office, nobody had their eye on the ball because it's an independent operator.
2: It, it, it is and it isn't. It's It's an independent operator. It's a weird structure. It's really a division. It's mm-hmm. not a separate entity unto itself. Even... Kyle Janik, as the executive commissioner, has a hard time getting information from right. them. And it's come out in hearings. Right. That's what I mean. Yeah. But
1: so, you, you, and, and so th- one, one more quickly, Reeve. One more you, thing on this, go, I think, that's interesting it. is that we're, this is all happening at a time when the cost of health care, defined broadly, mm-hmm. uh, all in, is rising rapidly in the state of Texas. Mm-hmm. Forever and ever, education was the number one line item in the all-funds budget. Health care has now risen in this biennium to meet education for the first time. In the next biennium, it's expected that health care costs for the state will pass education. Any unnecessary expense, any frivolous expense, any kind of bullshit political stuff that we're talking about, that stuff is adding to a problem that is already growing at an extraordinarily fast rate. And, and the scrutiny of, of these kinds of expenses is probably well-timed.
3: Yeah, I mean, I would jump on this for one second and also say, like, you know, last session in 2013, these same guys, Jack Stick and Doug Wilson, were coming and testifying before, you know, Senate committees being held up as heroes because they were uncovering, in quotes, so much, again, in quotes, Medicaid fraud. I say fraud,
1: fraud, fraud, fraud. fraud. Abuse. fraud yeah. I mean,
3: yeah, fraud they, abuse. and They were, you know. A, a serious cost-saving measure that the Senate, was, uh, both chambers, frankly, were pushing last session was, let's depend on these Medicaid fraud investigations to bring down the cost of our health care in Texas. So, you know, these guys were being held up as heroes and we're being told, you know, find more, find more. I mean, in some ways, I, I think the legislature in part created this well, they, problem they because of the pressure. You can only find
0: more if you have a pretty good badge to
3: uh, by, stop people. And it, and, <laughs> right, you
0: know, exactly.
1: And, a nice chair. Right, so you said, need
3: so both th- of those th- things.
1: So, th- Terry, this is the question that I get asked all the time. Out in the world. Why is Janik still employed by the state of Texas in that job, given everything that Maybe been because uncovered? of
3: what we were just talking about, that he doesn't actually – hasn't been able to have that much control over but, this but, entity. But
1: the reality is that the fish rots from the head down and has been the case forever. And if you're the person in charge, you get to blame and to credit whether or not you deserve it. How long it.
3: has he been in charge? As the
1: executive commissioner he, of Health and Human Services, you have to say – this happens on his watch, whether or, well, he or not he inherited it.
2: Yeah. And, and you know me. I'm not an apologist for any of the <laughs> agencies because yeah. I, I have a tough read on all of them. But the thing is, is that in true fairness, Cal Janet came in after this contract was yeah. in play, after it had already been sold to the feds. As a competitive, so bed. the
1: health commissioner of the state prior to Janik was Eduardo Sanchez, or who was no, the, who that was, was it? Tom Seas. Tom Seas, pardon. Right. Me. So has Tom Seas had anything to say? Seas
2: says about this. Seas. <laughs> he's been is, in private. He's, well, he's, he's in private practice.
0: Right? He's
1: he's got his own deal. But the point is, theoretically, I mean, I I've, I don't know that I've read a ton.
0: No. And of, of Tom C's... Do you want them to hire him so they can fire him again? Is that
1: No, I don't want anybody to fire him. to talk to Peace. him. Peace. I'm just wondering, like, if this goes back to before...
3: You know, who does the buck stop with?
1: I'd love to know what the deal was at the time that he was running the commission. I mean, the
3: thing is about these agency figureheads is that they get swept in from somewhere else. They're gubernatorial appointments. And, like, a lot of times they don't really have their finger on the pulse of... These are massive agencies. HHSC is and enormous. Maybe no, and
1: maybe no more massive than... The associated agencies under this banner, right? This is
2: right. I mean, the thing is, is or as they like to call it, inside the enterprise is a thirty-four point five billion dollar enterprise, right. mm-hmm. and that covers five agencies. It's huge. Mm-hmm. It's massive. Right. Um, so I, you know, who's at fault here? I think we're still digging on that, and I hate to. You're asking me questions that I don't really want to. Show my hand right now on the radio. (laughs) Um, It's not the radio, (laughs) exactly. It's a good thing that we're not on the radio. This is the internet. (laughs) The internet (laughs) on the interwebs on the interwebs. Well, you
3: did show your hand on the interwebs today with a really killer story about you know this twenty one CT contract. To get back to that for a second, that That basically it. oh, Oh, all right. Yesterday, sorry. Well, and the internet stuff hangs around. Fire, fire him! You know, uh, <laughs> coming right up. Uh, I mean, for all intents and purposes, it appears that these you know OIG guys lied to the feds on this contract or on this you know, the- or as HHSC
2: says, it was incorrect. I, you know, it's 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 hard so to the, say at this the, point. The question of whether. Incorrect information was provided to the feds. Deliberately or not. We We, we, we know that incorrect incorrect information information was provided. provided.
0: Can we specify what the incorrect information was? The
2: incorrect information was? was about three sentences contained in a planning document to the feds saying why we're asking for $18 $18 million to help buy this software.
1: They had indicated that there had been a process of different vendors considered and in fact it had not been the case.
0: Is that right? They said that it had
3: been a bid process when it had right. really it been had a no-bid no right. process. Yeah. Yeah, they called it a so statement
0: two, of Two-letter difference. There's,
2: right. there's been a lot of phrases in, in all the coverage. It's been confusing for both reporters and right. I think the average person to understand. Um, 21CT who was listed on what I call a catalog with DIR, you know, contends they competed to get on that catalog. That part is true. But how HHSC plucked them from that catalog is and really made under the microscope. The by him. Yeah, right. that's what's under the microscope right. now. So what we did is we looked back at what's known as an advanced planning document. This is the basic Asked to the feds, this is yeah. we'd like this money, and this is why. And what they said was, we've given a statement of work, which is basically a list of requirements for the R- software. RFP. Yeah, it's basically a mini RFP. Basically, they indicated that there was some sort of RFP process. Um, that didn't happen. And it was So as I was reading, I was trying to tweet
1: about your story this morning, and I was going, "How do you distill what Terry's <laughs> story is about?" And do it accurately and not in a way that's potentially actionable if you assert that something happened when, in fact, it's still an open question. And I was I was trying this, to think, could you say HHSC lied to the feds? Really, it's got to be cast as a question because it it's not mm-hmm. clear it that it's a, it's a statement. It's a question. Did they lie to the feds?
2: And we don't know that. And everyone's right. kind of shut down because of the investigations that are going on. I will say on. Stephanie
1: Goodman, uh, the, the spokesperson at HHSC we've all known in various, mm-hmm. various years –
3: is, she's not pulling any punches. I mean, the statements she, she's releasing surely lead you to believe she that, She is certainly you know, not
1: in an undisclosed that, location with Dick Cheney. And no,
3: a, that HHC is not happy like, by the way this went down. She, she I is mean,
1: cooperating on a lot they're of They're looking
3: stuff. at this contract or they're looking at this, you know, request to the feds and, and it's clearly incorrect information was provided. And and
2: what we're hearing, too, from people who, who are inside the agency, um, you know, from the rank and file is – if you asked a question about the 21-CT contract, you got a different answer every single time. Is that right? So that's what we're trying to figure out is mm-hmm. who knew what and at what point and who right. – what actions were were taken on what story. Let me ask
1: you one more. I know you want to move on to something else. Probably. No, I don't. No. Uh, who, who hired the, 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 the people who are at the center of this, the mid-upper-level mid mid-upper level people, Jack mm-hmm. Stick, Casey Haney.
2: Eric Stick.
1: Erica Stick. Mm-hmm. Doug uh, Wilson. 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 Who hired those people?
2: Well, Doug was appointed by the governor. That would have been Perry. That last governor. Right. Um, (laughs) Just to be clear. (laughs) Just to be clear.
3: Didn't Doug hire Jack? Yes. So, I mean, and I, I think it's worth noting that Doug Wilson has, you know, hardly been the subject of all of these stories of late because he's really shut down and been impossible to find. But at the end of the day, the buck for all of this stopped with him. And, you know, Jack stick to his credit, has been the one communicating with the media and, you sometimes know. Sometimes
1: angrily. Yes, s- sometimes but angrily. But nonetheless has been communicating,
3: But communicative mm-hmm. and trying to explain, you know, in his view what went down here. Like, Doug Wilson is nowhere to be seen. And this Medicaid fraud stuff was as much on him as it was on anybody has else. Has
1: anybody gotten uh, Governor Perry on this subject? Have, have, have you read anything speaking
3: of nowhere to be found well, he's, <laughs> I no, 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 yeah. no, he's in iowa no. i know in where South he is. carolina exactly
1: yeah. he's uh he's not in the state of texas mm-hmm. Do you,
2: but going back to the, this point um and, and we have tried i just wanted to be clear mm-hmm. we have tried to get doug wilson so i tried you, to call him yesterday to
1: be an insomniac who listens to this podcast would love
2: morning. him to give me a call t langford, t. langford. <laughs> yeah right
0: do you, yeah. think, do you think if we had stumbled upon the badge thing separate from the 21CT contract and all the sort of interest surrounding that, that that would have been as big a story as it was? I think it still would of? have been
3: a fun story, $36,000. Yeah. It, it would
1: have been more mocking than anything.
3: I mean, remember, yeah. yes. these guys deal with sort of white-collar stuff. They're showing up into dentist's offices and doctor's offices exactly. asking to look at files. They're not, like, you know, showing up on –
2: um. <laughs>
0: like the files they use on people's teeth,
3: and,
2: and I think it, yeah, and I think it comes down to OIG from the beginning, from when it was created in two thousand three. There's been a muddy mission from day one. Is it law enforcement? Is it administrative? It's just been a muddy mission from day one. And isn't there a
1: point at which the state, in some fashion, has the ability to to take this up to another level on the investigative side? So. Yes, uh, it has been. But but, I mean, they could decide to bring in sort of additional reinforcements on the investigative.
2: Well, and the thing is, it's that's been hard to track and understand because everybody hides behind the, well, that's under investigation kind of um, statement. But the AG's office is the one that you know appears at your door and starts taking files i'm remembering like, what their badges windows, look like i'm
1: remembering when there were allegations of malfeasance at the texas youth commission for instance mm-hmm. a couple of years ago i seem to remember that suddenly somebody activated the texas rangers to get involved in investigating stuff we're not at that point yet i realize that but at some point this could get bumped up to the next level mm-hmm. of right. how do oh,
3: they decide when fair. the rangers get involved versus when you know the public integrity unit gets involved or- i think
0: it's just when it feels right
3: when it feels right. With yeah. the TYC, they definitely brought in the Rangers. I think if you're
1: molesting kids in the closet, it's probably a good idea to bring in the Rangers. You know, I don't know that that's that's that that has not been alleged at the HHS. <laughs> Evan's Noted.
0: always said that. Noted. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's... No, but we should I mean, just we should to answer your Janet question from earlier. I mean, I think Janet's not entirely out of the woods yet. Right. They have this uh, the governor's commissioned this strike force that, as far as I know, is still mm-hmm. ongoing still like, yeah. in its investigation. And he's and the governor has said he will deal with that personnel decision and others once the strike force, quote-unquote, comes back with its...
1: Every time you say strike
2: force, this just sounds like one of those Spin spinoffs. I don't know. <laughs> what they're doing is basically
1: doing an outside investigation.
2: Right. Okay. They're doing their own forensics, and that's in addition to the PIU, which is the public integrity unit, which is more of a criminal investigation, and the state auditor's office. Um,
1: and has Greg Cox's ability to investigate this been in- impacted at all by the fight over the PIU's uh, budget? Budget?
3: I think Greg Cox finds the money when there's.
2: <laughs> is that it?
3: <laughs> I, it's, I
2: I have no firsthand knowledge, but it is interesting that they are right in the thick of this and they have been investigating a lot of witnesses. This
1: really it has become the grilled the shit out of Terry Langford about God. her process podcast, hasn't it? It
3: really has. And no notes. And no notes this time. Yeah, this is she's, amazing.
1: She's, I will say she's perfect. Well, awesome.
3: you don't let her give anything away that we're going to break. No, I can't. And,
1: and also, let's acknowledge too. You alluded to the Statesman's coverage. This has been a good moment for journalism.
2: Mm. It has been Everybody's a great been moment. Everybody. Right, David, David
1: McSwain and Andrea Ball right, for the Statesman, mm-hmm. and Brian, Brian Rosenkoll. Rosenthal. It's been. People have been on on their
2: game on this. It's it's been, you know, it's sort of old school.
3: I mean, I love it because it reminds me, you know, every session you have one big scandal, right? You know, it was the TYC, my first year covering the, of the Texas Youth Commission, my first year. And, like, all the media players were involved and everybody was breaking great stories. It, you have one of these every session. Unfortunately, this one's about contracting. This is also kind of very wonky, early in
0: the session. You could still get another one this session.
3: And, uh, well, think the big stuff really happens by February, We, have, we haven't even yeah.
0: gaveled in
1: the session for one month yet. And we've already had all this contracting stuff. We've had all the gun stuff. We've had all the kind of associated Molly White stuff. Yeah, this is
3: supposed to be the sleepy part of the session. This has been
1: awesome. (laughs) This has been like a great time covering this.
3: Says the guy who collects the checks. Hey. You know what? (laughs) The rest of us could use a nap. You know,
1: it's it's easier to make it rain when the clouds have been seeded. And And in this case, it really has been a really interesting first four weeks and we haven't even gotten we're still in the honoring the little league from big
0: spring uh wait a, mode. wait <laughs> until they start investigating those guys oh man <laughs> you, should, you should see the chairs they sit in
1: it's really <laughs> great it's great I think it's been super fun
0: but meanwhile out on the campaign trail we uh, had a story this week about Rick Perry talking about vaccines which has sort of become a, yet another sort of cleavage point in the cleavage the, <laughs> you have the the different there's part
1: no way to walk <laughs> it back just say you was <laughs> Seriously, just saying you misspoke.
0: You have well, the different Republican mis- sides <laughs> cleaving.
3: Yeah,
1: where are you going to give right. them the shots? What are you talking <laughs> about cleavage
3: for? Moving on from the boob it's, jobs, it's, yeah. uh, there has been a little bit of uh, discussion. Uh, so. You know, Rick Perry waded into the vaccination stuff this week or last week. He was uh, meeting with The Tribune and The Washington Post in D.C., asked about this vaccination issue, which has really become a, a challenging thing for Republicans, particularly those already considering runs for president. Because there's this sort of, you know, personal freedom and, and liberty to not get vaccinated side. And then there's the public health side, which is like, you know, you folks who aren't vaccinating your kids are creating a Everyone's getting measles emergency. now. Everybody's yeah. getting measles.
1: And, and the numbers on that, it's not really sort of false equivalency. It's not really like half the public yeah, thinks liberty right. and half the public thinks shots. It's like the, the number of people who think liberty on this. Right many fewer.
3: But you had Chris Christie and Rand Paul sort of waffle on it last week and basically say, you know, we support parents' rights to make these decisions. You know, Rand Paul had to even sort of walk it back enough that he went and got a shot, you know. Took a
1: New York Times photographer with him. Right, right exactly. You know, Here's but my shoulder. Perry,
3: and so then Perry you know, came in so afterwards. So Perry came in three days after this hubbub and said, whoa, 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 like we as elected officials have a responsibility to make sure that vaccination, that people are getting vaccinated. And this shouldn't you know, it was good timing because he didn't have to put himself in the position those other guys had been in. Well, but he has also, a little history he's got with history. <laughs> with yeah, he this. was against
1: vaccines before it was for him, or for uh, him before it was against he, the HPV thing. Was he a, tried to just been right. for them. all He long. wanted. Yeah. He wanted well, to make,
0: you know, except, you then, have the, except he no, walked
1: back the HPV not, thing in mm- the first weekend. I think it was the first weekend of that campaign. uh, Frankly,
3: he walked it back right after it happened. I mean, (laughs) you know, he said, I want it to to be mandatory that 12 year old girls get vaccinated for the human papilloma virus. Everyone freaked out. Then he had to walk it back and say, whoops, that was a bad decision, you know, made by with me talking to my wife, who is a nurse and really probably talking to. um, And on his watch is when
0: they lobbied for Merck made it easier to get yourself exempted from vaccinations
3: right although that was more of a legislative move that he just didn't uh, yeah he was governor at the time
0: my recollection (laughs)
1: is that that in the first weekend and i maybe have the timing of this wrong but in the first weekend after he got into presidential race first thing he said was we're gonna lynch ben bernanke second thing he said is (laughs) i you Um, know oh that whole hpv thing it was a mistake. Mm-hmm. Now, he argued I think it was a mistake not on medicine or science but on process. I should mm-hmm. have done this differently. Right. But he basically walked back from it. You're correct that he had had some experience on the subject before. Right. But I will say this. His declarative support of vaccines this mm-hmm. week is a differentiation point for him with a lot of these other candidates who seem for sure. a little bit more waffly on it. It and was almost, give his, great credit.
0: almost overenthusiastic support. He had his the, the Texas vaccination rate. Numbers climbing much faster than well, they he actually screwed did up the numbers.
3: I mean, he did say to them, you know, it was sixty five percent. He overstated, he overstated them. yeah. Well, way overstated them. Sixty five percent when I took first took office, and you know, ninety five percent when I left. And the reality is more like seventy something 95%. percent that's when kind of he like 14%. left. Got like fourteen percent. Yeah, um, and you know, he they basically came out and said, "Whoops, like we got our numbers." Oops, wrong. I, think that's I <laughs> Yeah,
1: right. You know what's going to be interesting if Perry makes the decision to go on the campaign trail and say, "I'm as conservative as all you guys on." On these big issues. But hell, yeah, I'm for in-state tuition. What of it? Hell, yeah, I'm for vaccines. What of it? That's interesting, because you're going to have these people, uh, some number 16, 18 people out there at some various levels of interest in the campaign trying to figure out how do I make myself mm-hmm. rise to the top of the pile? And, you know, I think it's frankly, it's ballsy of Perry having seen his presidential campaign last time impaled on, on in-state tuition to have said and to still be saying, I still think we should do it, because he's, he's running the risk.
3: Go one step forward. No. I mean, past that, in this interview, you know, I think I saw Democratic consultant Harold Cook saying, tweeting, you know, Rick Perry, reasonable. You know, I mean, he also said well, he, he opposed the Harold Cook vote. Yeah, yeah to win uh, the Republican right. primary. Not exactly I mean, the pot
0: calling the kettle black right. situation there. You know,
3: he said uh, he he opposed open carry. Um, oh, and, you know, and then open.
1: And I, yeah. I, I, I don't think open carry is a great idea. Right. He, he said, said right? I want
3: I to say what you know, Ted I
1: Nugent once to told hit. me
0: that open carry would be a terrible tactical move. Well,
1: we you can get him on the phone in the last week you're here, maybe, and get him to say that again.
0: Yeah, tell me that. a story. You never know.
3: Um, but you know, he also took a much stronger approach on the Molly White. Muslim comments then did either Abbott or Patrick. and basically, well, in fact, said, he was he was
1: he was quite direct about, yeah, I don't think we should be saying stuff. yeah, like
3: that. I'd never say something like that. you know, God, what's she thinking? It was right. the the undercurrent. Um, so I think in that, you know, it it was a very interesting interview for somebody who, at this point in the game, should be playing way to the right in theory, unless
0: unless unless they have a sense that things are going to shift a different way,
3: right. So, which, you know, but you know, maybe you sh- maybe you play a little moderate right now and then you shift farther right if you look like you're getting any traction in any of these early states. You know, he's getting attention right now. And-, but, and maybe the best thing is just to stay in the headlines. Well, you
1: know, the, the, you're going to have this divide naturally in the, in the primary along the governor-senator fault. About half the field is people who are in Washington positions and half are kind of people who have run states, have been chief executives. So you've got kind of Scott Walker, Chris Christie, Jeb Bush – Rick Perry, maybe John Kasich. And, you know, Perry may be looking at Christie and Jeb and going, there are problems with each of these campaigns, but a governor is the right one to do this. And wouldn't it be great if you could take the sort of reasonableness and executive experience of a governor and marry that to a conservative philosophy that would attract primary voters in Mm -hmm. places where those guys are maybe not going to pass muster? Maybe he's trying to figure out, how do I do that? You know, or maybe he's just doing whatever. He, he's he's not doing very well in the poll. The interesting thing I've been yeah. watching these early polls. He's like at one percent, three percent, four percent in these polls. But Sounds all, like he's
3: climbing. But we all know how fast this stuff can
0: change. It all changes. Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: You know. So, um, but Me- I, I I give him a lot of credit for seeming to follow his own store store on a lot of these issues. It's mm-hmm. it's interesting.
0: Meanwhile, back at home, uh, State Representative Jason Vialba's attempts to. Uh, limit exemptions to vaccines, drew the ire of Jonathan Stickland, who posted on Facebook that he would look forward to smashing Vialba's bill into the ground in the name of LIBERTY, in all caps. Liberty! Yeah. I thought in Schwartner
1: was also against uh, Stickland, on, I mean against Vialba on this. Am I remembering that right? <sighs> Chairman of Health and Human Services in the Senate?
3: I'll have to ask him. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think Schwartner you was against
0: it. Give him a too. call. If Schwartner could uh, email his uh, thoughts about everything to Tribcast at TexasTribune.org, which is where everyone should send their questions and comments, we would appreciate it. Uh, in the meantime, i would like to thank Shiny Rips for doing our music. And I would like to thank Terry, Emily, and Evan, and our producer, Todd, for joining us. This is Reeve. Thanks for listening.
3: Maybe Reggie should do the intro. The new office. He'd he just pee really- on
1: the microphone, and that'd be the intro. He